Welcome to the Film Fan Club live stream or the podcast feed, wherever you're uh, joining us. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Sam Carrico. Uh, this is our Mission Matinee series. It's a mini-series. We're going to talk about every Mission Impossible movie leading up to the new Mission Impossible film, of course. Dead Reckoning Part 1, I think it's called. That comes out in July, so we're going to do a Film Fan Club show episode about that. So like I said, Getting ready for that. Talk about every single Mission Impossible movie. We're going to talk about Mission Impossible 1 today. And we are joined by two of my favorite people. He's the host with the notes. The notes on how to keep my opening monologues PC. John Leon is here. Hey, John. Pew, pew. Hey, hey. <laughs> and he may look like Miles Teller, but it's actually Alex McKellar. Hey, Alex. <laughs> hey. I've been watching nice. the writer's strike is happening right mm. now. And so the only late night opening mon uh, late, late night uh, talk show that I can watch is uh, Gutfeld on Fox News. <laughs> the only one that I can watch right now. And uh, one I'm thing sorry. I do like about, I know, one thing I do like about his show is he does have some fun introductions for his guests. So I was like, you know what? Instead of just saying my friend so-and-so, I'll, I'll, I'll try and come up with some fun ones. Uh, I'll try and see if I can keep that going for the next uh, few episodes. So I think I did all right today, though. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, that was good. So we're going to talk about Mission Impossible a little bit. Thank God I have my notes on my phone instead of on uh, my Google Drive, because apparently that would make my voice sound like a robot. I don't know what's <laughs> going on. We'll fix it for the next stream, but that's all right. I'm just glad my <laughs> camera connected. I uh, Coming up, just a, a quick tease for the next episode of the Film Fan Club show on Monday night, next Monday, going to talk to Ron Placone. Formerly of the Jimmy Dore Show, uh, he's uh, working on a uh, uh, pilot episode of a web series, and uh, he also has a uh, no, it's a feature-length film, but independently produced feature-length film. Uh, and he came on the show to talk about both of those. He was a stand-up guy. The reason I bring that up is just because uh, my camera crapped out for that interview, so I'm not on camera that that whole interview it's a little little awkward but he was a real uh sweetheart for rolling with the punches uh and that'll be uh next week's film fan club show that'll be on youtube so uh quick right. tease there you guys ready to start uh, talking about uh mission impossible one uh because yeah. i have a lot to say mm -hmm. Let's do all it. right cool opening fake out scene i liked the set with the dead body and uh, uh and what did you guys think about that as soon as we jump in they're kind of doing spy things and the, already you're getting twists and turns i feel like there's two fake outs at the beginning yeah i mean it's like a i mean obviously like sort of you're getting some nods i haven't watched but like maybe part of an episode of the old original show yeah so i think you're you're getting nods to like that because i think that was more of the thing like every episode there's some sort of like fake set you know rubber mask type thing yeah to like get the information uh so you know it's fun starting that way and also like i mean i guess we'll, we'll talk about the movies we get to it but that that's like that sort of playing up the theatrics is a part of like the mission impossible like dna you know like creating those kind of fake scenarios to yeah. get the information so i mean it was nice and then it's fun to just like see the team that we're about to go to DC, do something else, like succeed yeah. real fast. So we're like, oh, these guys are competent. They have a strategy, you know, like theatrical and go get them. So, you know, it works. Yeah, John, I thought that was very effective setting up the team. And I just was blown away by how over the top it was, you know, with the fake, like the lady is fake dead. They have the fake walls and everything. But then also, John, like Alex was saying, showing this team kind of how they work together. Yeah, I, uh, I thought it was interesting. It starts really zoomed in on the TV screen, right? I believe so. That uh, Emilio Estevez is watching. Right. And so it's like old, like the TV screen is an old TV and it's kind of grainy and, you know, and I was, I was thinking maybe that in and of itself was a reference to like what the TV show might've looked like. I don't know what the mm. TV show looked like when it came out. Uh, but probably like yeah. the early episodes, especially cause that show ran for like seven years or whatever, way back mm -hmm. in the day. And it's, when did it come out? 1966, so mm -hmm. it would have been old. Uh, <laughs> and then, I, you know, I think it's cool, like, when I was watching it, I was like, oh, they're spying on them in the next hotel room or whatever. And then they do the little twist reveal thing, and they, like, the walls pull open, and they're in, like, a warehouse, and the whole thing is set up and controlled. And I was like, oh, that's a step further than I was, like, yeah. expecting them to go. So they do a really good job not just of having them succeed, but of having them kind of like trick us a little bit 
and show us that these guys are even more in charge of everything than we were expecting, which makes the next job they do is surprising even more so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, there's a couple things that were out of a couple other movies and these two movies that I'm about to reference came after this one. So maybe they're stealing from mission impossible. I just thought it was mm. worth noting. Uh, the list of spies storyline reminded me a lot of skyfall. I don't know how you, mm -hmm. how, how much you guys yeah. remember skyfall, but there is a very similar storyline that just, mm -hmm. I think it's not well as well utilized in skyfall. If I remember correctly, that storyline just kind of drops. Uh, yeah, halfway through the movie, which Skyfall is a great movie, by the way, but that is a criticism of it. Um, there's a scene, it's been like three hours since I've watched this movie, so I'm kind of these are out of context for me. <laughs> uploading the fake creden uploading the fake credential at the last second as they're trying to get into somewhere undercover reminded me of mm -hmm. Justice League. The same thing happens for the Flash and Cyborg in Justice League. I wonder if they watched Mission Impossible while they were writing that movie. Mm -hmm. Um, the special effects makeup I thought was fun, uh, having uh, Tom Cruise, because now we're kind of moving into the next heist they do. Tom Cruise is wearing the, as, as at the beginning of the heist that eventually goes wrong, he's wearing, he's like dressed like the old man. And uh, mm -hmm. at times it looks very convincing. At times it does look very old, but uh, we'll talk about just mm -hmm. whatever you guys want to say about the beginning of that next heist and then, you know, the uh, special effects makeup. Alex. I really like, especially this time, because it had been, I don't know, a couple, like I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm the Mission Impossible head of the group. I've seen all of these movies so many times. But it had been, you know, a year or two since I had seen this one specifically, you know? So I was, like, really just zoned in on, like, the cinematography. Like, Brian De Palma, like, as the helm on this first one, you know, you've got the, like, POV shots when Ethan's walking in. So, like, we see on the screen uh, John Voight's character, like, watching him, and then we cut to that shot exactly. And we don't, like, see Ethan's makeup for like several minutes yeah. when they're first entering in there. We're just seeing the like, how they're working together, moving around, spraying, tagging the guy, the woman, you know, with the glasses, all that stuff. And it's just like very cool, like, oh, we got, we're doing cool spy shit. You know, we got magic glasses. We got this spray, you know, we got our man in the elevator doing all this stuff. And then, you know, one of those classic, I mean, I'm sure it's been in other movies as well, that whole like, oh, we got to hack the system to like make the thing work at the precise moment so that our guys can get in. You know, it's a fun, fun bit. And like, you know, and we'll get into it, like set up for later, you know, watching Emilio Estevez be the tech guy versus later tech guy being just way more competent at the job. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, again, like I love these movies, especially this one, the cinematography, this action storytelling, just all of it, it just, it moves really well. And so this opening bit, the sort of build up to where it's going is, I mean, it just, it works. It's fun. I did notice this is a very tight movie. This is my first time watching it uh, today, uh, just three hours ago. Uh, it was a very tight movie. It moved at a very brisk pace. Uh, John, is there anything you want to say before we get to the turn? Uh, I mean, I, I like how well it all flows together. Um, I like that you get a lot of good, like, they do a lot of character interaction stuff between the team that... Mm -hmm. You know, if having I've I'd seen it uh, at least twice before, but it had been years since I'd seen it, and so I forgot how bad it goes bad when it goes yeah. bad. Uh, and so, uh, like, you know, Emilio Estevez has little interactions with um, I don't know the actress's name, but her character's name was Sarah. Yeah, one of the other spies. They all have little interactions together that make it seem like they're going to be relevant yeah. and then they're they're right. not <laughs> that got yeah. me too as the first time watcher i was like oh my god they're really going to kill off everybody that we were just <laughs> meticulously introduced yeah to, uh, everyone gets movie. nice character beats everyone gets little moments you kind of like everyone that's there and then yeah i mean the turn then they're all <laughs> and i like the like the elevator specifically right they do a lot of good primer that the elevator shaft is dangerous, right? Yeah, yeah. Emilio Estevez is in the elevator and it starts coming down and he has to push himself up to the side and he's like, oh shit, oh shit. And then when uh, when the other two, Ethan and whoever, are trying to get out of the room at the basement, they have to go under the elevator as it's coming down and they it's kind of tense as you're like, oh, is it going to crush him? Yeah. And then that sets it up for when it goes wrong with Emilio oh. Estevez. And it just makes the whole thing is like a really good setup, setup 
payoff. You know what I mean? Which this yeah. show has, this movie specifically has a lot of throughout the whole thing. I noticed yeah. that too. That there's a bunch of setup and payoff a couple times with the uh, one thing in particular that we'll get to. But then you already kind of touched on John. But yeah, when things go bad, they go so bad. Is Jack played by Emilio Estevez? Is that his character? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, that's right. so when he dies, it is so brutal. And like yeah, we talked that's... about, the the the, cool. the elevator shaft is set up as being dangerous. But I'm like, okay, of course Tom Cruise isn't going to die. Like, So I, I, it's kind of like in my head, I'm like, it's dangerous, but not, you know, nobody's going to get hurt. But then it gets stabbed right through the face, you know? So yeah. I'm like, oh my God. So two, uh, that, that death got me. All the other yeah. deaths were, were pretty compelling. And then Sarah's death, I think, was a little bit ridiculous. The one where she stabbed through the fence. I'm like, what are you doing getting that close to the fence, you idiot? So that was the only one that was a little took me out of it. But the rest of them, mm. I mean, they were brutal. So what, Alex, what do you think about, what do you have uh, to say about the turn and when everybody dies very brutally? I mean, again, like, I have memories watching this movie as, like, a child. And that Emilio Estevez getting stabbed in the face by the elevator spikes. Yeah. I don't know if elevators have dangerous spikes in them. But I have, <laughs> like, legit, that image, like, haunted me as a yeah. child. I was like, hey. so that's one, like, every time I see it, like, I still, I'm like, ooh, get a shiver, you know? Like, that was one of those that just stuck in my brain for all time. But, yeah, I think it, um, so, I mean, that, like, I love this whole opening and, you know, having seen it so much, it's, like, nice watching the beats. I do think you're right that it's sort of, like, it's, like, like they set it up to where, like, uh, John Boyd tells everyone to go off mic. We're aborting. We're doing all this stuff. So, Sarah can't get warned by Ethan not to go over there. But it does, it does seem silly. It's, like, well, you're a part of a super spy team. And you walked up to someone who was clearly getting stabbed and then got stabbed, you know? So yeah. it's like, I, I, as far as like nitpicks, that's fine. But I do think it is like effective, especially because we're still sort of with Ethan's POV. Sure. Watching like him run to one person. He gets there too late. They're already dead. He runs over here. They explode. He runs over here. He tries to get Sarah. It's just too late. And then now he's like worried that he's like, you know, the cops are after him. because There's all these dead people around him now. You know, for all these things. And the, the list is gone. It's in the wind. Whew. Terrifying. Think on your sins. Oh, sorry. That's from uh, that's from Skyfall. Um, <laughs> so then I like that uh, he goes, he gets taken to be, be debriefed. And then over the, the tension building over the course of that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, John. Uh, I think one of the things I really like about that turn, right? Yeah, is sorry. It's, it's all, you know, there's little clips from Sarah's perspective, right? Where she's like seeing the guy that they're watching get stabbed, right? But most of it takes place from Ethan's perspective. And so it allows us as the movie progresses, right? It it really enables the movie to be suspenseful about like who done it, who's the good guys, who's the bad guys, yeah. because we see Ethan's perspective and the assumptions that he makes about who's alive and who's dead, right? And then, you know, a little things start happening, like, you know, we haven't gotten there yet, but Claire comes back. And then you go, oh, he assumed Claire was dead because he saw Claire in the car, and then the car blew up, and so he assumed she was in the car when it blew up. What does that mean about all the other characters, you know, other than Emilio yeah. Estevez? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Um, and that's so anyways, yeah, he gets taken to the IMF and uh, the tension building over the course of that, uh, over the course of that uh, yeah. scene, whenever they're interrogating him and he realizes they're like, oh my God, are you trying to pin this on me? And then the, uh, the, the gun, the gum. Uh, it was set up really well earlier and then using that. And I don't know what they were thinking, taking him to an area that was like surrounded by that much water. I mean, that was an oversight. My gosh. <laughs> so he throws it and then it was it was a very visually uh, compelling oh, yeah. uh, escape, though. I, I really like so that. Good. Yeah. Alex, that whole conversation. Else? Oh, go ahead. That whole conversation mm-hmm. is so well done. I mean, the, the canted angles and the close ups and the like, um, I don't know if it's violin, but there's some like crazy strings that are super tense and then you know he throws the gum when it's time yeah. for him to escape and you're like oh yeah Emilio Estevez set that up and I was expecting it to be used in the job but yeah. then the job went wrong and I forgot the gum was the thing yeah oh yeah and just like having watched like watching it this time and like Tom Cruise's like body language through that scene like he gets more like angry and like elevated, but still in control. And then like Kittredge is just like laying into him, and you just watch his hand like move slowly into his pocket, 
and like pull out the gum and like start getting it ready while he's just locked in on him. It's just like every little bit detail in that scene is so well executed. And just Kittred's just like chewing into the lines of being like, yeah, dying slowly in America is an expensive proposition. Like it should have wiped out your family savings, but now they have money. You're just like, oh no. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, it's just that yeah, Kittredge as like the head of the CIA is just, he's fantastic throughout the entire movie. Like he's got so many great little lines and like just cold delivery of them and like not worried about like the little people involved. He's just like, oh no, we're going to get them this way. It's, it's good stuff. Who would have thought the CIA would be shady? Um, <laughs> the next thing I have written down, uh, having Ethan Hunt on the run in the first movie, I thought was interesting. Because, yeah, they waited until Quantum of Solace. I mean, maybe they did it in other Bond movies earlier. They probably did. But I just remember in Quantum of Solace, uh, whenever they have him, there's a sequence where he's on the run from MI6 uh, for a while. And uh, mm -hmm. I'm like, well, that's an interesting co concept to do that finally with Bond. And I have never, of course, I'm new to the Mission Impossible franchise. So I was like, oh, doing that with Ethan Hunt, the very first movie, I just thought was a bold choice. So mm -hmm. that's interesting. Um, and then next up, we have a lengthy sequence where he's using the internet in 1996 to send emails. I just thought that was very... Uh... I love it. It's so great. Uh, yeah, just, I mean, the whole, like use of that and it's like an inversion of the arrested development goof even though like this came out before where like you know he's like job 314 you know and then he's sitting there and you just see him look and notice the bible and he's like no, 314 like oh wait a second you know like it, and to go with that it also does like that shows like uh we, i missed it when we we're talking about like the interrogation but just how observant ethan is like noticing yeah, all of like, yeah. the MI agents that were at the party and then at the restaurant. Like even with all of the chaos that goes on, he spotted all of them. And, and the camera is really good. The cinematography is really yeah. good about making sure that you're also aware of these yeah. things too. So that when, when they do come back later in like like when he's being interrogated, I'm like, oh, I did. I'm like, as if you yeah. I'm like, I did see that character. Yeah, I did see that guy. I yeah. saw them too. Yeah. yeah. Like, you, you see them and you don't really notice it. But then when Ethan starts pointing out, you're like, oh, yeah. Of course. So just like that whole bit and him like exhausted, hasn't slept, like, you know, just like trying to figure out, okay, what can I do to like clear my name? I have to meet the arms dealer now because that's the best way for me to find the actual mole, whatever. And then, yeah, I do love though. It's like just types like access internet, search forums, like <laughs> just like the most basic stuff, but it is, it is cool. And I love that each like Bible forum has its own nice font, you know, its own like cool, like little web page. You know, there's like the German one, the French one, and they all have like wonderful little 1996 web page looking things. Yeah. 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 The, that whole, like it's, it's adorable, but it's also like, it works so well, just like showing how intelligent and like, uh, cause like one of the things that will continue on is like Ethan being obsessed with like getting the job done. And it's like, it's really nice seeing how well that's already established in the opening movie. Like his like just drive and determination to like figure it out at all yeah. costs. I really like the the like that whole thing where he goes, okay, so I need to contact the arms dealer. They must have done it via email because the guy mentioned that the the CIA picked up an internet message, right? So he goes, email is the way to do it. I'm just gonna email. I'm just gonna go to every email website and I'm gonna post send a bunch of different emails in a bunch of different languages he like brute forces his way through it and it's mm -hmm. just i i really like that it's not just like he doesn't go oh job 316 it's a bible verse done i've solved it he not only has to make that observation but then he has to commit to like the brute force just doing it over and over sending a million emails and like we get to then see him get tired because he's been up all night after the shitty run of the bad mission that went wrong. And so it's like, they really show us Ethan Hunt being tired and like the effects of it. And then when the next thing happens, I don't know if you, we were going to go on to that. What were you talking when, about? When Claire shows up. Or like the, the pseudo, the, the thing that happens right before Claire showing up. Cause like another thing that it sets up really well, is like, Ethan's clearly panicked. He's like doubled around to go back and then he breaks the light bulb and like sprinkles the glass and like turns off the thing. Like just a bunch of good, like 
DIY spy shit. Like he's, yeah, like a spy. He's been disavowed. That. Yeah, he's like he, he doesn't have his crew. He doesn't have anything. He's like, okay, I gotta make something that will make noise. So I'll hear them if anyone's coming after me. Hide in here. Turn off the light. Make it. And yeah, and then just like get straight to work. Like finds a gun, some bullets. He's like, where's the fuck's the money? I'm gonna have to get money. You know, passports. And then he's like, all right, find the arms dealer. Well, and I don't know, I can't remember exactly the time, again, watched it for the first time three hours ago, so I don't know where all the, the in the timeline it goes, but the, half, the them showing that he has survivor's guilt, too, with John Voight's character coming back. And, That's right. And, he and has that the PTSD up, dream. Right, and yeah. then having that with uh, that setting up something, you know, obviously the betrayal that happens later, and just how much that, that will impact him later by him feeling so... Like he betrayed people by by surviving mm -hmm. this thing. I thought that was very well. That was very effective in the moment, but then also very effective in terms of setting up uh, the storyline later. Um, so I can't remember where mm. exactly that is. Oh, yeah. It's before or after Claire comes back, but uh, it's right before. Okay, yeah. So we can move on to that now if you want to, John. Uh, I mean, for that, I was just going to say that like we see how tired he is, and then we don't see him fall asleep actually, because he's mm -hmm. getting tired, and then. He yeah, sees yeah. the vision of of John Boyd yeah. arriving and has the PTSD dream. And then Claire pulls him out of it with her arrival. And then he's like super jumpy immediately. He immediately doesn't trust her. He's look he like put, points the gun at her, moves her to one side of the room, and then he keeps like looking back and turning back around. And they do a really good job of physically showing him being paranoid. Yeah. And, and like that's something that this movie, I it's been a long time since I've seen the other ones, so I'm not certain about those ones. But this one for sure, the physical acting of everybody involved is super good, and it pairs so well with then the sound design and the camera work that yeah. it all just works in ways mm -hmm. that a lot of modern action thriller movies don't really accomplish. That's a great point, John. I think the, there's a sense of cohesion to this film. Like the mm -hmm. uh, cinematographer is on the same exact page with the director, who's on the same exact page with the uh, actor, you know, who's on, on the same exact page with the choreographer, you know, all these different things. And then creating a sense of like, like what Alex and I were talking about earlier, like, oh, yeah, I as a viewer, like I'm right there with you. And that all makes sense to me. It doesn't feel like you're forcing a payoff because it just feels like, what would happen? So is there mm -hmm. anything else? Uh, John, I or sorry, sorry, Alex. Is there anything else uh, you want? I was going to talk about the team of misfit, misfits teaming up to break into the CIA. I like, I always like a fun team of misfits storyline doing a job together. Oh yeah, uh, I mean, so I guess like what happens first? Like we get like he gets in touch with Max, which I think is like well done. You know, you get the fun little spy thing where it's like go to this bench, light a match, yada yada yada. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> and like he and Claire, like they obviously they get through. He decides to trust her because she like you know explains like oh we we're supposed to be back here at 4 a.m when we called abort so we aborted that's why i'm back here at 4 a.m like this was the plan so <clears throat> but yeah but that whole bit and like meeting max i love max's character as and then like the setup because i think that happens before we hire uh being in renault right or yeah it is yeah but yeah, like the putting on the mask, having to go there, and then like yeah. him just now Tom Cruise is like in his or well, Ethan's in his element and he's just playing it perfect. You know, he's being charming, he's being coy, you know, he like gives Max enough information to show that like he's definitely on the up and up as far like knowing about this stuff. And then like, oh yeah, and I can also do something more ridiculous. I can steal the entire list. Yeah, I just need this much money, you know. Yeah. Like all of those beats are so good. Like he's on the back foot and yet he still just comes in and instantly has control of the negotiation with the massive arms dealer that like, you know, basically got all of his friends killed recently. Yes. Uh John, anything you else, else you want to say about this? Because I'm all I'm kind of grouping it all together. The team of misfits mm. coming together to do a job. Like, what are they? Some kind of suicide squad? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, the I you know at Max. I really love Max as a character. Um, she's she's like fun and powerful, but also like she's on an even footing with Ethan. Uh, but she's also, you know, she's super capable and smart herself. 
and she calls his bluffs when she thinks he's bluffing and like that all that stuff is really great and then when they're recruiting Renault and Ving Rhames that whole scene is uh amazing i mean yeah. the 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 camera work of the introduction of that scene is Ving Rhames leaning forward on this side of the camera mm -hmm. and then he leans back and Jean Renault leans forward behind him and the camera kind of goes like this and pans across and then uh, Claire is in on this side and then she leans back and Ethan comes in on this side and like it just that whole little circle of characters and then all of the dialogue is so smooth in that. Mm, <laughs> but yeah. You get so much character information about both Ving Rhames and John Renault, and you get a lot of Ethan being smooth. It's really cool. Plus, it's all exposition for what's about to happen. Yeah. Like, not only is it information about what's happening, but it's also information about what's going to happen in a way that flows directly into it. Yeah. It's so, it's, uh, the whole movie is just flows so well together. <laughs> this is a good movie. I, 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 guess, movie. I, I guess it's hard to, to bury the lead here whenever we're, you can tell the way we talk about it, it compared to something like my Guardians of the Galaxy review or my our Mandalorian review, Alex, or, or mm. any of these things where I'm like, throughout, I'm like, like, wow, this was a good decision, and then we get to this next part, and this was a good decision, and then we get to mm -hmm. this next part, and this was a good decision, and I'm like, that's very exciting. So I am so excited to see how the, and we're not even done with this movie yet, but I'm excited to see where it goes with the rest of the series. So um, there was a great needle drop as they are like, all right, so this, we've set up the mission, and now we're going to go do it. And then it goes, bum, 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 bum. I'm like, ah, damn. Yeah. So good. <laughs> it was set up very well, and I was ready for that. You know, and they don't hold back with playing the theme song, but, so, but every time they played it in this movie, I was like, fuck yeah, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. On point. Yeah. Yeah, it's pure cinema, baby. You're just like, yep, I'm here for it. Let's roll. I'm excited. You know what you're doing, movie. We're on the same page. Play that theme tune. Let's, let's fucking go. Fuck yeah. Uh, so the breaking into the CIA was tense as hell. Just the whole the whole yeah. scene with, I mean, I, I we could go beat by beat, but that's what I have. Awesome needle drop, breaking into CIA, file download was tense as hell. So, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, John, what did you think of the, the file download? Oh, my God, he got, almost got caught so many times. Oh, man, the fucking... I, I watched it three times, I think. I, I like got through it, and I went back and watched it again. I went back and watched it again. And like, the sound design is so fucking good. Okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> okay, <laughs> the room... That the that the file is in that they have to that they have to steal right. It has sound sensors. It has pressure sensors on the floor. It has a temperature sensor. It has a laser grid above the air duct, yeah. and it has a uh, human like a uh, a secretary lady and an outside room with a fucking voice ID print. They go through all of this information about like how secure it is. And then the thing, the weak point that they are able to access is the laser grid above the air vent because it's the only space that doesn't have a human observation point. Yeah. And then, like, oh, man, I don't even, it's all so good. Yeah. The, the, the like, the temperature scanner, right? Before. By the time they get the little hack in place to get bypass the temperature scanner, the temperature scanner is reading 72.9. Mm -hmm. And if it hits 73 degrees, they're done. So it gets to 72.9 before they get it set. Yeah. The, the guy that works in the room, he comes to the door like two, three times <laughs> before he gets past. Like every time they get right up to the edge and it's like, Anybody else running this team would have failed because the security is so tight, but it only is because Ethan Hunt and his disavowed whatever agency they're a part of are just just good enough. Yeah. yeah. And a little bit of luck. Mm -hmm. A little bit uh, of luck, yeah. Alex. I mean, it's just, it's one of the greatest, like, high scenes in, like, all of cinema. Like, it's, like, you know, it's it's been parodied a bunch. It's been around. Yeah. But, like, you know, having seen it, who knows, maybe dozens of times, 
even this time, I was just like locked in with how well executed it is. Like the editing beats, like you're sitting there and Ving Rames is in the car and like he's like whispering like with Ethan, like like you know, he's like, Come on, move. Like he like he's like still composed, but like he's as drawn in as we are as the audience to what's happening. And just like you know, it's like weird to imagine because like it's well known now, but like, can you imagine like in 96, like, oh yeah, we're going to make like, we're going to reboot this like beloved show. We're going to have a crazy like, and the highlight piece of it is not going to be any crazy explosions or any like disaster things that are going on in the 90s. It's going to be a basically silent aerial yeah. acrobatics thing where yeah. Tom Cruise is just going to, he's going to float. He's going to like fall a little bit and he's going to sweat. And those are going to be the most tense things that happen in the movie. It's like, it's just incredible how much tension they get out of like, yeah, the real big moment of terror is going to be Tom Cruise is a little bit sweaty. Well, like. that's a good, a good point about how bigger isn't necessarily better. You know, this yeah. is a very, I mean, it probably didn't cost comparatively compared to, you know, the mm. end, end sequence of Avengers Endgame, which again, apples and oranges, but you know, just for right. an example, uh, mm. it, it probably cost a lot less to make this scene. And some would argue that it's just as tense, you know, because oh, it's yeah. about, because you're invested in the characters, everything's well set up. Everything, you know, is it, it just makes sense for the story. So, yeah, I, I mean, just to echo your guys' thoughts, I thought it was very well done. I liked it a lot. Uh, there's an, also another thing, like, you know, we kind of mentioned it earlier that uh, um, Emilio Estevez's hacking in the heist mm. that goes wrong is set up because Ving Rhames has to deal with the same kind of like, like improvisational hacking yeah. spot un unexpected things and he just like does it right whereas Emilio Estevez has to like you know he it gets way down to the wire and you know the marine is like double checking the ID. Bing Rames is just like oh they need an alarm in sector 21 <laughs> done and it's like oh man yeah. not only did you not get killed by an elevator but you also got all the hacking done yeah. and then Jean <laughs> Renault oh man Jean Renault is the fuck up in this mission, right? I mean, he he almost kills he he goes to kill that uh, CIA guy with the knife, and Ethan grabs his arm, and that shot where Ethan is on one side of the camera and John Renault's on the other yeah. side, and Ethan's holding his arm in the center, and he's like, no no body count, and John Renault is like, we'll see. <laughs> It's so good. Uh, it's all shit. so good. He sneezes and it's like too loud, so you're worried about John yeah. Renault's gonna sneeze while up there. And then like they set up the like no body count, but then John Renault kills a rat and drops Ethan, but then catches him just in time. Yeah. Still. Yeah. So, like he's like messing up, but still hella competent at this. And I also love I forgot to mention it, like when he's uh when they're uh bringing them into the mission, he's like, Why don't we just go to Fort Knox? I could fly a helicopter through the building into the lobby and set oh. it down right there. Like, oh yeah, like, yeah. I mean, they everything's so well set up and paid off throughout oh this thing. God. Like all these little things, but I just love like his like own like ah oh, breaking and Langley. That's impossible. I could just fly a helicopter into Fort Knox and we it'd be easier than this. <laughs> um, I, I, so they so obviously that that is uh, barely a success that mission. Uh, mm -hmm. They get the thing barely. Uh, now we go. I'm gonna because I, I my notes kind of uh, are. Uh, get get fewer here, so I guess I'm going to get less detailed. But we, I'm going to jump through the John Voight thing next. So John Voight survived, is what I wrote? Mm -hmm. Question mark. And then I put, no, he's the mole. Oh my god, John Voight's <laughs> the bad guy. Ah, uh, so guys, twist, Alex, twist. John Voight's bad guy. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, uh, the first time I saw this movie, I was not thinking about like twists and stuff. So I don't know if that right. surprised me. It's sort of like my memories of this are basically having always seen it. Sure. But uh. I do uh, like I do love that, and especially the conversation where John Voight is like testing Ethan to be like, "Oh, can I convince you that Kittredge is the mole? That it's actually sure. him?" And just watching like Ethan sell that he believes him while piecing together how he thinks John Voight would have done all of it. That you know, good. like you don't you don't know for sure, especially because you see him like go back and forth to where if like he thinks Claire helped him or he yeah. could have done it on his own. It's just. It's such a good scene, like, just their whole dynamic. And then, obviously, John Voight, like, gives it away too much with his projection of, like, oh, I wasn't paid enough, and I don't know what to do now, you know. I'm a grumpy old man who's, like, not a part of the thing, which 
Uh, yeah, I mean, just like that whole part. But I do like it is surprising how, and how they shoot it is so good because you get Ethan, you get Kittredge deciding to like put pressure on Ethan by like going after his family. You know, we set up that like, you know, he obviously cares about his mom. His dad passed away. And uh, so he's, you know, put the pressure there. And then Ethan has that great moment on the phone <clears throat> with Kittredge where he, you know, he's like, you, you know, you are coming after someone who you think shot stabbed and exploded their whole team like what do you think they're gonna do like if you do this and then he like hangs up on him with just enough time having gone to let him know that he's in london like he was still in control the whole time even while acting like he's like enraged yeah. and then shock of shocks john voight's right there he's just on the other side of the thing and even like their little like they have that kind of father-son relationship when like before ethan's figuring it out where he's like oh you know once I made it back to the safe house, I knew y'all were gone, you know, and then it was pretty, y'all were pinged here, so it was pretty easy to track you. And then once in London, he's like, I knew you'd go to this safe house. And he's like, yeah, you showed it to me. You know, it's like they just have those little moments that still sort of inform that, like, they've clearly worked together a lot. They both know each other really well. And it is, like, devastating for Ethan to realize that, like, yeah, his, like, father figure, his good friend, is actually the one who not only killed all of his other friends, but is also trying to frame him. So yeah. that he can get away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's all so well done. Being a, a spy is a cutthroat business, man. My God. Yeah, John Boyd's <laughs> very good in this movie, too. Yeah, bang, playing both sides of that. Playing the mentor aspect at the beginning, mm -hmm. and then that turn now of him being a villain at the end. John, do you remember, are you like Alex, where you kind of always just remember that being the case? So you don't remember being surprised by that twist? Or were you surprised by the twist re-watching it? You know, uh... So I didn't remember that John Voight was the bad guy on this rewatch. But when I started watching the movie, hang on, my camera's like <laughs> Yeah. John messaged me. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Tell your but, story. So you when I started it. watching the movie, the opening scene of the movie is John Voight, John Voight in an airplane, right? And a stewardess is walking through the airplane, and she offers the person in front of John Voight a movie to watch and the guy says no thanks and she moves on to john voight and she's like can i interest you in a movie and he goes he goes i prefer the theater <laughs> and i was like oh you're the villain <laughs> <laughs> i was like a, a stewardess on an airplane where you have no opportunity to watch a stage play <laughs> at all you go no, I don't want the movie you just offered me because I like the theater better than cinema, and he's in a movie, so of course he's the bad guy. Right. He expressed yeah, a yeah. distaste for movies. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's so I, I didn't remember this, but you're absolutely the villain. Fuck you, John Voight. God, that's so funny. <laughs> At one point, yeah. they have John Voight lament, I think. It's him that says it, I believe, but correct me if I'm wrong, Alex, that he says, quote, the president of the United States is running the country without our permission. Yeah. How, how dare how, he? <laughs> how do you read into that, Alex? What is the film trying to say? I thought it was a very interesting thing for the film to include that. Yeah, I, I think, like, I because I haven't seen the old show, but I get the impression based on him talking about the Cold War being over and, like, yeah. outdated hardware, that he's like, there was a time where we in the intelligence agency, because we were at war, like, we were doing whatever we wanted. And now that we're not at war, the president, like, finally has authority to, like, do stuff. And we're not just, like, let loose to go get in fights with the Soviets and do right. weird cool spy shit. So it's just like, he's just sort of like butthurt. He has a boss again now and he's <laughs> old, you know, like it just, I read it like that. I mean, I, it's like, I don't know. It's like, go back to 96. What was going on like politically? Cause there are like subtle, like jabs at like the American system, like, like uh Kittredge being like dying slowly in America is an expensive proposition. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a damning indictment of our system. And then having the bad guy be like, uh, we have democracy again. I hate it. I'm going to defect and get rich. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. like, you know, just sort of, you know, I guess maybe commenting on like, yeah, the shadiness of those organizations and then sort of like setting up two sides of it towards like Ethan being the good spy who's like a little bit nuts, but like there to save the day and clear his name versus the old spy who's like, ah, I didn't get paid enough, and now I, someone tells me what to do, and I can't just do whatever I want and globetrot and whatever, you know, so he's just upset that, you know, there's oversight 
to his shady organization these days. John, were you surprised that this movie included such biting political commentary? Uh, you know, I enjoyed that they did. I wasn't really expecting it because so many thriller spy movies kind of gloss over that whole aspect of it. Yeah. Um, I also think it, it, it speaks to John Foyt's character's deep discontentment with fucking everything. Yeah. He's married to Claire. Claire is like 30 years younger than John Voight, and she's willing to betray her country and every friend she has for his get-rich-quick treason scheme. And he's still pissed that he doesn't have a perfect marriage. It's like, he's, he's fucked like up. Me. <laughs> hey oh there you go you put this joke at the end of the live stream <laughs> go ahead john sorry uh, i mean i just i just think it's funny how how on every level john Voigt's character is fucked up uh, like he's discontent with everything at every level not just politics not just you know his ability to do whatever the fuck he wants, but like his relationships that are from an outside perspective, pretty fucking great. Yeah. Ethan Hunt likes Claire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good point. Good point. Yeah. And he's later John Boyd is pissed at Claire for doing the job that she told him to do that. that he told yeah. her to right. do. And it's like, it just shows how fucked up his character is, which mm -hmm. is, you know, really good when it, it it's each each S element is good in and of itself, but then all combined together just shows how fucked up he is. It's really a, he's he's a great antagonist. <laughs> well, this movie is really good at uh, exposition and character building without being overt with it, and I thought that was mm -hmm. really uh, uh, really refreshing to see. Um, uh, again, like I said, I only have a few notes here at the end. I have like three notes left. I just have train rooftop. Uh, they're, they're on the roof of the train. That was fun. It reminded me of the Wolverine from 2013, the, the Wolverine movie, whenever he's on top of the bullet train. Uh, a lot of the, the images, obviously, I mean, as you can imagine, uh, reminded me of that. And I was like, damn, the, James Mangold liked Mission Impossible. So that was a fun sequence, though. Uh, Alex, what did you think of our big finale? Um, oh, I absolutely love it. Like, again, this is that whole train fight. Like, it was one of those things that just, like, as a kid, I probably watched, like, that part of it more than anything else just because it was just pure, like, excitement, you know? Like, hanging on a crazy train, the tension, the, like, quick escape as the other train's coming by, the craziness of the helicopter, like, having to go into the tunnel because of the thing. Just, like, all of it is so good. But even, like, the buildup, noticing it this time, like, he, like, so, he, you know, he's on the phone with Kittredge, just enough time, let him know in London. So they get London involved. They realize that they're going to be... Or, like, he sends the British Secret Service the package with the, like, watch, you know, and we're going to be on this train, so they have to get there just in time. Uh, the the nice little shot where, like, we have it full-on revealed. Like, we know it's John Voight that's going to be – we're pretty sure it's, he's going to be Joe, but we haven't seen him, seen him yet. So, like, we're able to do that kind of build-up to, like, hit Ethan sitting there in the cargo hold and Claire not realizing it's him. You know, we have all these, like, little things building up throughout. And I also love, uh, oh, one thing we skipped over just real fast. Uh, Tom Cruise actually learned how to do sleight of hand to do that disc scene with John cool. Renault. Yeah, like, that was, like, they may have enhanced it a little bit with special effects, but that was literally just Tom Cruise knowing how to do sleight of hand for this movie. Like, he just would. learning it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I mean, he learned, like, for later ones, he spent, like, 16 hours a day flying helicopters and stuff. Like, yeah. it's it's insane the amount of work Tom Cruise puts in to make these movies look as good as they do. But, like, I love that little bit. And then that moment with Luther where, like, you see that both Tom and Luther are similar people. They're like, we're not letting this list actually out in the open. We're going to get right up to the line of, like, ruining the world by giving an arms dealer and access to all of the secret agents that the CIA has. But we're going to stop it. And, like, you know, so setting up the phone, that little bit of tension, giving Max the real list so that she believes him, so she yeah. can give him the case. And then so they can be – it's just, like, all of those bits are so well set up. And that whole, like, you're just on the train and, like, Kittredge is coming. Claire's hiding over here. Uh, Luther's over here stopping the thing from happening. And then, again, the little things that make it go wrong to where, like, 
the jamming signal makes it look like the cell phone's getting a notification. Yeah. So the steward, like the the train waiter, whatever they're called, gives it to him. And then like as he's walking through to the bathroom, like everyone's calls drop as he walks by them. They're all like, what's happening here? Which gets Max's man to notice that something was wrong. So he's trying to break in there, which is what lets Kittridge know that he's in the toilet so they can meet up later. It's just like, it's just little domino effects that work so well together. Like, it's like, it's just established. It's all like character driven. And like, you know, it works out, but because like of all these little mistakes that are happening along the way, which just, it just makes for a fun time at the movies or at your house with some popcorn. Exactly. Got movies with Tom Cruise in them. You can't lose. There you go. There you go. Talk about restraint. He waited until fifty-seven minutes in to say to to say that. My God, the restraint on this man. Uh, John, I did like how uh, jumping off of what Alex said, the stunts and then Tom Cruise learning how to do the sleight of hand. See, and with his stunts in this movie, him being on the side of the train, I did kind of get the like the. uh, Oh, I'm trying to remember the George Lucas, the the, pan, the pattern of where it's all going. You can see by the stanzas of where it's going to go. The echoes, it, rhymes. <laughs> it rhymes. Thank you. You can see where it's going to go. I'm like, this guy's going to learn how to fly a plane eventually because it all starts because <laughs> he's on the side of a train and doing a card mm-hmm. trick. So I can see where it's going. Um, and and then just seeing the way that the finale kind of builds, like, oh my God, now he's on the roof of the train. Now he's on the side of the train. Now the train's being followed by a helicopter. Now the helicopter's in a tunnel. Uh, and so, so John, what did you just make of all this and the way that it builds? My God. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's so good. I keep saying it. It's so yeah. good. Like, uh, John Voight, right? When he's on top of the train, he has the little suction cups that they've already used. They yeah. used them in the vents when yeah. they were climbing to steal in the CIA stuff. Yeah. And Ethan doesn't have the suction cups, so he just has to do this crazy shit where he lets himself fly off the train <laughs> and then grab the next thing. Yeah. Or he, like, flips himself over. It's like, uh, oh, man. And then John Renault comes back with the helicopter to try and pick up uh, uh, John Voight. And... And then they have this whole like interconnected thing where John Boyd's trying to get on the helicopter and Ethan Hunt is trying to also get on the helicopter and John Renault is like, ah, oh, God. And then they go into the tunnel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then like Ethan gets there, he takes the thing that John Boyd's gonna clip to himself, and he's just like, Man, fuck you, and he clips it to the train. Yeah, so I was like, yeah, no. that was oh my god, I was like, oh fuck. like yeah, like, Ethan's on the train, too, and now he's, like, attached to a helicopter, like, 15 feet away from him, yeah. but he's just like, nope, you're not getting away. And then there's that moment whenever the, tr- the, the the blade is, like, this far away from his neck, and then it hits the roof, and I'm like, of course, it, it makes sense, too. I'm like, that, yeah. that would happen. Yep, you're right. So I'm not, like, taken out of it. Like, it doesn't feel like plot armor when that happens. Right. It's so oh, yeah, you yeah, Ethan is like moments away from dying so right. often, and you yeah. still don't ever think like, yeah, he's not going to die because he's the like you know that, right. but it doesn't feel like plot armor. It does feel like, oh man, he barely got out of that one. Like that Absolutely. was tense. Absolutely. I also fucking love about Jean Renault trying to kill Ethan with the helicopter blades. It's set up earlier. Jean Renault wants to kill that CIA guard, right? Mm. Because he's a little bloodthirsty. He yeah. kind of likes murdering people. Yeah, yeah, and they, yeah. They have the opportunity. Uh, John Voight gets on the little rudder of under the helicopter. And if John Renault had just slowly backed the helicopter away from the train so that Ethan couldn't jump off the train onto the helicopter, they would have escaped. Because the train never would have stopped moving. It would have got out the tunnel, and John Renault could have just gone, whoop, bye, and they would have left. But John Renault saw the opportunity to kill Ethan Hunt and was like, I'm going to cut his head off with my fucking helicopter blades. And that's what got him fucking killed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I also love so much, like, he jumps, grabs on, the music does the, like, build again to the sting, and then the theme song drops again, and he pulls out the gum. I don't know why he still got the gum, but it's so good. Yeah. And it's such a funny line that he's like, red light, 
green light and he just slaps yeah, it on yeah, the yeah. it's like silly but it's so good and then he gets exploded back on to a bullet train moving at like 200 miles an hour or something yes oh i forgot about yeah he, it, that was that was what i was gonna say too the gun that's the thing that gets set up and they pay yeah. it off twice and each time yeah. it feels earned i'm like yeah because yeah, so the first time good. i'm like yeah I, i'm like okay i remember that and then the next time i'm like oh my god it's been like an hour but i remember that you know so uh yeah that was great and, and then, then we watched I was just going to say, it blows him back onto the train. It's so fucking good. Go ahead, John. And then we get to watch John Voight just get crushed by a burning <laughs> helicopter. Yeah. yeah. It's oh so brutal. <laughs> Demolished. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I love this movie. It's good. It does get, it seems like it gets tied up really fast after that, though, Alex. Do you want to summarize? Because that's where my notes end. Yeah, so, I mean, basically what happens is you just get a slight denouement at the end. Like, you see. Ying Rames, uh, Luther shows Kittredge to Max, and then like Max and Max is like, "Oh, I'm gonna get my lawyers involved," and he's like, "I think we can keep the courts out of this." So you see that even Kittredge is like, "I just right. wanted access to the arms dealer," you know, like the CIA is definitely gonna do business with you. How we know who you are, and like you're not gonna steal from us, but like we're gonna work together. I love that little bit of it. Oh yeah, yeah. And then uh, so the next, the last thing we get, or well, we get two last little things like. Uh, Ethan and Luther are now friends. Like everyone else is dead and betrayed him, but he and Luther, they're bros. They have a beer together at the end. You know, his he has a quick thing where Luther asks him, he's like, So your parents like enjoying getting the red carpet and all that stuff? And he's like, Well, my mom was a little confused how the government confused her and my uncle for uh, uh, Florida drug smugglers, but uh, they're doing all right. You know, like just like a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And then you get a brief moment because like it, uh, they, Luther is no longer disavowed, and he has the great line where he's like, I'm going to miss being disreputable. And then Ethan's like, well, I'll always think of you that way. Mm -hmm. You know, great little bro moment. Yeah. And then Ethan's like, I think I'm out. Like, my friends died. My mentor betrayed me. I don't want to go back to this. I think I'm out. And then he's on the plane, and you get that beat redone. Where, except, you know, this time when the stewardess asks, you know, like, do you want to watch a movie? He's like, oh, no, thanks. I'm just, I'm just going to chill. And she's like, how about the cinema of the Caribbean? And then the theme song starts again. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, he's coming back, baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There goes my uh, my camera, but that's okay. We're about done anyways. So, yeah, I, I think it's it's safe to say I like the movie. I'm a big Bond fan. Uh, so I was a little bit apprehensive of anything that's not James Bond when it comes to the spy <laughs> genre. But I like that this is uh, not so serious, as serious as a Bond, I guess, but it's still very serious. It's not like a Guardians of the Galaxy. It's not like a current Marvel humor kind of thing in right. the way that it's not so serious. It's just like, yeah, you're having a fun uh, a fun ride watching yeah. this movie is how it felt. Um, mm -hmm. One of the things I love about, the, like, because I also, I like, I'm a, I'm a fan of the Bond series. I haven't seen all of them, but I have enjoyed all the ones I've seen. Uh, what I like about Mission Impossible in comparison is, like, they're almost like, meta movies about movies like james bond like takes like the spy stuff and the secret agent stuff seriously whereas like the mission impossible movies pretty much all of them are about theatrics and being over the top you know and like the joy of like seeing cool stuff on screen as much as they are like the they still have good stories they still have good plots but they're also like about spectacle you know like you like in this you have the whole setup of them in the room in the beginning with masks and stuff. Like they're very theatrical, they're very over the top. So it's like, they're, I, I always end up having more fun, I think, watching a Mission Impossible movie, especially some of the later ones than I do with like some of the Bonds. But uh, they're also trying for different things. They're just both in the spy genre. That being said, I do like Skyfall quite a bit. I think Skyfall, this did, this oh, yeah. did make me want to rewatch Casino Royale and Skyfall. I can't remember why exactly Casino Royale, but Skyfall, um, I can't remember mm. that exactly. I mean, that, that they're good movies. It reminded me of both of them at two specific times. Uh, quick, guys, which one do you like more, Casino Royale or Skyfall? Alex? Probably Skyfall. It's been a really long time since I've seen Casino Royale. But I remember both, liking it a lot. Both of I say both of those because they're both regarded as the best of the, the Craig era. So yeah. I don't know if you have a different one. Al, or John, Casino Royale or Skyfall? Mm, I mean, I think I like Casino Royale more as like a spy thing. But Skyfall, I feel like it's a better action movie. Okay. Like I feel like, I feel like Casino Royale, it has good action scenes. 
but it's not quite as packed. You know, you get all yeah. the stuff in the poker game and in, in the hotel and yeah, all that kind yeah. of stuff. All that stuff's real good. Right, would... where Skyfall has, yeah. like, the train scene and the mansion oh, and, like, so, so much action in Skyfall. I really like them both, though. I would say almost Casino Royale feels more like an action movie and Skyfall feels like a Bond movie to me. Mm. That's why I like Skyfall more, but everybody has their own mm. personal preference. We've kind of some we've gotten we've gone through the plot though now of uh Mission Impossible. Alex and I have kind of talked about our thoughts a little bit uh John. So what do you think no though now we've finished talking about it. We we've rewatched the first uh Mission Impossible. Where do you land on this movie? Uh I mean it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like every element of it works together incredibly well uh it all serves a driving purpose uh danny elfman was the oh, made yeah. the score for it and like, oh, that makes a lot holy of shit mm -hmm. yeah it's amazing <laughs> it's so good. uh oh man yeah i mean there was never a moment of the movie where i was like kind of like you know, like sometimes yeah. there's good movies where there's lulls in the movie where I kind of like get a little bit distracted because I'm waiting for the next thing to happen. But that mm. isn't a thing in this movie. Uh, and I fucking love being able to see characters react to things that are happening. Yeah. Like, like Ethan Hunt, we get to watch his reactions to... Uh, the things that we're reacting to, you know, which allows us to feel what the characters are going through more. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of movies don't do that anymore because it takes it, like, you know, it takes time to get that coverage. You have to have the actors actually emote and act those reactions. And then it takes time away from the runtime of the movie because you're having to include all the little shots of them. Exactly. Reacting. And, and so a lot you of need things... a real set. Sorry, not to interrupt, John, but you need and, a yeah. real set. You can't like. How do you write to those production details whenever those production details are just not there in present or not there mm -hmm. at the time you're shooting it? Because we're just going to figure that out later in post. Like, because I'm, I'm obviously referencing the Marvel machine. Um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> anyway, wish wish those CGI artists would go on strike, huh? Hey, hey oh, hey oh. They do deserve better pay, though. Oh, yeah. obviously the writers. <laughs> I support the writers' strike. I well, and, I mean, I mean, the oh, CGI yeah. artists also deserve better. <laughs> oh sure, yeah. I oh, wish yeah. they would go. I, I'm, I'd be curious to see how, if they're unionized, how that affects because that's like a newer thing, obviously mm -hmm. CGI artists. So I'm wondering if they have a lot of the same unions that writers have. Obviously, we support the writers' strike here. Um, mm -hmm. I think the joke last week that I made on the mon on the monologue was I'm not on strike though, so which is why I'm still doing a show. The only person on strike around here is my girlfriend, who said I'm not getting laid again until I quit doing this silly show. I was like, <laughs> "Hey, oh, that's a good one." So Alex has heard that already. He's like, "Yep, it's even funnier the second time, Sam." <laughs> um, all right. So uh, I think that's it. Is there anything else you guys want to say? I liked I liked uh, I liked uh, Mission Impossible. I'm excited to see the next one. We're gonna I don't know when exactly we're gonna talk about that, but we're gonna talk about it at some point to work around Alex's schedule. And uh, you can follow us uh, facebook.com slash the film fan club for updates. I also post updates on the YouTube channel. Uh, guys, thank you so much. Alex, how do you want to summarize your thoughts? Uh, I mean, I mean, I love the Mission Impossible series and I, for many different reasons, am excited to watch the next one and hear what y'all have to say about it. And then as we move on into the rest of them. And like that, probably the movie I'm most excited for this year now is uh, Dead Reckoning Part One. Like it's, it looks looks sick. I'm super excited for whatever crazy thing near death experience Tom Cruise is going to go through, so that <laughs> people keep making cool movies. <laughs> this uh, that goes without saying that yeah, this is all in uh, lead up to Dead Reckoning Part One. So make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel, uh, the Film Fan Club. We're going to do an episode about Dead Reckoning Part One. John, I think anything you want to mention before I sign off? Uh, you might have to cut this out of the podcast edit, but I, like, are are we? Is it public information that we're gonna try and all get together and see it in person in IMAX? It's not yet, but I mean, we can we can do a soft announcement. Yeah, we're so that the idea is that we're all gonna get get together and watch it in IMAX and rent a podcast studio and do an actual in person episode, and that will be the the season finale of the film fan club show 
and then uh, that'll be a big episode. But I can't, I don't want to promise anything just yet because you know, what if we don't end up doing it and then people mm -hmm. are disappointed? You know, they're like, wow, we mm -hmm. could, we wanted a face reveal. So, you know, and, uh, <laughs> I say that because my camera, my battery died. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, no, no, so, that's, so that's fun. So it's definitely worth uh, people fo following us here on the podcast feed to uh to make sure they continue to hear these discussions of uh mission impossible and then when a new one comes out we'll do a whole youtube episode about it and then that'll, that'll also be on the podcast feed all right i'm sam carico guys thank you so much for joining us here uh and we'll see you next time bye bye bye, bye.